Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Alex Dimchek is a top keynote speaker and best-selling author. He frequently delivers keynotes and conducts training programs based upon the power of positive leadership and the power of a positive team with the goal of helping leaders transform their teams and change the world. Alex is the author, along with John Gordon, of his newest best-selling book, The Sale, which is the number one strategy to build trust and create success. He is also the author of Thrive You. The inspirational book is a collection of stories from 100 college and professional athletes from across the country. Alex is a former SEC quarterback for the Missouri Tigers, and on the show he dives into his own story of growing up, facing adversity as a player, transitioning into the business world, taking a risk and pursuing his calling, burnout, integrity, building trust, and so much more. Alex is passionate about helping high-performance leaders take the next step in their leadership journey, and once you listen to the show, you will see why. For more information about Alex and for more info on how to buy his book, check out alexspeaking.com. And if you're thinking about writing a book, be sure to check out his company at writemybooks.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Alex Dimchak, here today. Thanks so much for being here, Alex. Bailey, thanks for having me. I've heard awesome things about the show and uh, really excited to be here. Yeah, well, if you wouldn't mind, kind of dive into your story and what life was like growing up for you. Man, so probably like maybe yourself or a lot of your listeners, I was a sports fanatic and uh, anything that was sports related, I wanted to do. I remember my grandpa, when I was going into high school, he was like, son, I didn't even date girls during football season. And I was like, (laughs) all right, grandpa, like, you know, and so I only made one exception. I dated uh, one girl. She was cute, but then, you know, we ended up breaking <laughs> up. So but other than that, I was really focused. And uh, I guess I share that just to say I was kind of obsessed with sports. And so, um, yeah, man, did the whole sports thing and had the chance to play at University of Missouri as a quarterback and uh, walked onto the team. And um, gosh, that was, I guess, six, seven years ago now. And since then, I've kind of been in corporate America and then went off on my own um, here, here recently that we can talk about. So it's kind of been this thread of, you know, sports going for it, uh, business, entrepreneurship. And so, yeah, man, I know we have a lot of common interests, so I'm excited to talk about those things today. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you kind of touched on those things and we're going to dive into them. But I love the, the term you use, just going for it, because that's kind of a story that you can see within, within the pattern of, of what you've done. Well, going back kind of to your early years that you talked about your grandpa, what about, you know, your parents, were they pretty influential in your life and what are some lessons that you learned from them? Yeah, absolutely. And and now being a parent, you know, we have a, my wife and Aaron and I, we have a two-year-old daughter named Kennedy. And so just now be, seeing the other side of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, just, they were huge uh, in the way that they t- took care of us and provide opportunities and, and encouraged us to me and my sister just to go for it and provide it away in so many different asset uh, aspects of our life. And so that was huge. I just think about the mentors, the people that now on the flip side, I have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to be mentors for other, those kids who are, who are now the eighth graders, who I used to be, 
who um, maybe need someone to, to help them navigate life, not to mention what's happened the last two years. And you can only imagine the mental health issues and all, all this stuff that these kids are now dealing with with social media and all the distractions that they have and they're dealing with that we didn't even have to deal with when we were in their shoes. And so, yeah, man, so, so blessed um, to have the, that, that support. And uh, now I'm just trying to implement that with my family now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that too, because, you know, obviously having a background in sports too, um, you know, when you're in athletics, sometimes you don't realize the impact that you can have just not even knowing somebody because of the way, if you're down on the court or you're on the field, just the way you handle yourself. I mean, I remember being little and I, we grew up in, I grew up in Tulsa. And so Oklahoma state was a place we go to. And, you know, you literally just go down on the field after the games and pick up like a wristband, like a, a gross, dirty wristband. Cause you thought it was the coolest thing from no matter who it was. Oh yeah, man. I, Dude, I can so relate to that. I remember going to the St. Louis Rams camps, like training camp for years. And I still like, I think to this day have Kurt Warner's like sweat, sweaty sweatband from his, like, one of his first, the year they went to the Super Bowl. And um, yeah, dude, I was that kid as well, just like getting autographs and doing that whole thing. And like, I was a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan. So I remember, you know, I know you've had some former Cardinals on your show, which is awesome. And I remember as a kid, like memorizing, you know, me and my buddies would, would be outside the stadium and we'd memorize like which car, like what <laughs> kind of car these players would drive. So we knew like, oh man, like Matt Holiday or Albert Pujols, like they're pulling up and you'd kind of go up to the stoplight and kind of like secretly like hand out a, you know, hand of a ball and they'd grab it and sign it and then close their window really quick. So other people didn't flock their car and uh -huh. stuff like that, man. It, it's uh, cool to think about. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. And I can see you've got that little uh, dirty wristband on a glass shelf behind you. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But point being is that you can, you can make such a profound impact uh, and not just athletics, but anything that you do. And so obviously you had great examples from your grandpa to your parents. Talk a little bit about sports and how you got to Mizzou and then got, got to walk on and play football there. Yeah. So I was actually at a FCA camp, a fellowship of Christian athletes camp, and it was a football camp and I was there and I had met so many awesome people. You know, I remember I was, uh, became buddies with, uh, Demario Davis. He's linebacker for the saints. I remember I met, um, well, this was kind of the Mizzou connection. How I got to Mizzou is I met the back, one of the backup quarterbacks, Jimmy Costello. And I was saying, Hey, look, I, I just would love to walk on somewhere. And he was like, well, Blaine Gabbert just went to the NFL and then his younger brother, I think transferred. So he's like, we got two quarterbacks. So he's like, if there's ever a time to walk on, it's right, <laughs> it's right now. And so I was like, sweet. And so he had sent over the film and it just worked out and I was able to walk on and yeah, a little bit about my story at Mizzou that I think leads us here to today is, you know, I, I get the chance to walk on. It was kind of like a dream come true, you know, division one at mm -hmm. the time we're in the big 12, we were transitioning to the sec. It was, it was an awesome experience. And, and for like maybe some of your listeners, like you kind of, you reach for this pinnacle and then now you hit it, like you're there. And, mm. you know, all the perks that come along with being a D1 athlete, all the cool things. I missed, I missed all the NIL stuff by NIL for <laughs> by a few years. You know, now I just read an article today about, was it, who is it? Um, <clears throat> it was one of the schools in Texas. Uh, they're paying like every single player, walk-ons included like 36 grand a year. Like that's the minimum. Like you get 36 oh. grand is like a salary. And I'm like, man, I definitely missed, uh, yeah. <laughs> missed the boat as a walk-on, you know, but oh, um, yeah. paid, paid for school, but essentially I'm on the team. Things are going great. Um, just trying to learn as much as I can, trying to buy into the program, trying to do everything I can right. And, mm -hmm. you know, fast forward going into my junior season, I had, I had a great spring ball. Things were 
trending up into the right for me and things were um, going good and people were complimenting me. Hey, great job. Coaches were saying good things. And I'm um, going into my junior season. We had a yearly uh, position meeting with your coach. And so I walk into this meeting and the past few years were positive. It was very, it was pretty easy. I walk into this meeting and I, I sit down and there wasn't just one coach there. There was three. So that was different. And I walk in and one of the coaches is um, closing the door behind him as he's coming to sit down. And I'm like, well, that, that's not a good start to this. Meeting. <laughs> and, um, and so I sit down and, and he looks straight at me and he's like, Alex, I want to be straight up with you. We have over scholarship at quarterback. We're bringing in someone to take your spot. And in that moment, it was kind of like everything stopped. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just, you know, trying to grasp the situation and not show any emotion and like, is this a prank? Is this a joke? Like I've put in all this time and, and this is what he's telling me. And he says, you have two options. Option number one is, is your cut. Like, that's it. It was a total business transaction. Mm -hmm. And option number two, he said, you can stay on the team as this volunteer assistant coach, no pay, right? Doing all the small things during practice. And he's like, oh yeah, by the way, you need to decide during this meeting right now what you want to do. And <laughs> And I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm sitting there going like, okay, what in the world am I supposed to do in this situation? Do I transfer? What, what do I do? And, and so, you know, my mind's racing at this point and I'm like, well, sure, all, yeah. my, all my great friends are on the team. Like I put in so much time here, I guess I'll stay on the team as this assistant coach, whatever that means. And, and that was on a Friday. And I remember just going out to my truck and, and I didn't show any emotion to the coaches, but I remember getting to my truck and just crying and just feeling humiliated, feeling like I let so many people down. And, um, that was on a Friday. The first practice was Monday. And I had that whole weekend. I, I was kind of like, what is my purpose in life? Like I I've done all these things to put myself in a great position. And then like, this is how the story ends for me. Like that's it. Mm -hmm. Business transaction. And Monday was the first practice. And so I had the whole weekend to kind of be like, you know what? I have to find some positivity. I have to find a way through this. And, and maybe this coaching route, maybe, maybe I was meant to go through this so that I could be a longtime coach. I'll be the next Nick Saban, whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Right. And um, so I show up to the first practice thinking I'm going to have a decent coaching role. Like, you know what, maybe I've been with the program. Maybe I'll have this kind of high up coaching role. Well, I show up and one of the assistant coaches kind of barks at me and he's like, Hey, Alex, I want to show you what your job's going to be. And so he pulls me over and I'm like, sweet, give me that free Mizzou gear, you know, so get, give me the hook. That's what I'm thinking. Put me up in the press box. I'll call plays. But I get over there and he shows me this flag. He literally, he hands me this like yellow flag. I'm, I don't think I have it with me right now. He hands me this flag and he's like, Alex, what we need you to do in practice is when someone jumps off sides, we need you to take this flag and throw it on the ground. <laughs> and like, literally, like literally, and, and, and I'm sitting there going like, okay, I think I can handle that. And so literally what he tells me is during practice, I'm going to be standing on the sideline. And when someone jumps off sides, I'm throwing the flag. And mm. I mean, there were so many other small details, printing off copies, making copies for the coaches, but that entire junior season, long story short, I was doing all the unseen thing in my eyes, all the unseen mm. tasks, all the tasks that to me didn't matter, wasn't, wasn't making a difference. No one noticed. And that was my entire junior season. While I was doing those things, I went to the coach and my position coach and said, what do I need to do to get back on the team my senior year? Like, 
tell me, like, I'm willing to work on it. And, and I got those things mm-hmm. and I got the feedback and I worked on those things day in and day out on the side of when I was helping be this assistant coach. And I'll say this, some pretty cool things happened that junior season. When I was at the lowest of lows, I felt like my identity was stripped from me. The sheer humility of the situation just allowed me to connect with guys on the team that I maybe would have never connected with before. Because for the first time, I slowed down and I was just sitting there at practice and I was there to help people, encourage them, you know, just to be there for them. Mm-hmm. And um, fast forward going into my senior year, um, I, like I said, I continued to work out, work out as hard as I could. I, I actually got back on the team my senior year. We went to the Citrus Bowl. It was like an amazing, awesome senior year. And it was, it was great. But the reason why I share that story with you is I think all of us at times in life will encounter times where uh, bad things happen or thing, unexpected things happen. But what I had to learn for myself kind of the hard way is that I had to take ownership of my, my actions, of myself, the way I was performing. But I also had to learn that leadership requires no title that doing the right thing, sticking with it, the excellence of like, how can I get better today and create a better tomorrow? Like that, that means that I have to um, surrender maybe what I thought was best. And I have to buy into the team. I have to buy into this we before me mentality. And so that was humbling and convicting for me. So yeah, man, that's a little bit about my story. And I think honestly, if I wouldn't have been humiliated in that way, if I wouldn't have gone through that scenario, I don't know if I would be doing what I'm doing today. I don't know if we'd be on this podcast because yeah. just that story alone has led me to do so many things um, and, and be able to connect. Like when I go speak to a football team now and I connect with maybe a guy who says, yeah, man, I tore my ACL. I'm out for the year. I, I have that much more compassion for a guy like that. I can connect with a person like that where I maybe couldn't have if I wouldn't have gone through that trial in my life. So that's my encouragement, man, to your listeners is you never know how you can be used um, in those moments where you go through those valleys and those trials. Yeah. And that made me think about, I love that story, but it made me think about something you wrote in your book, kind of about how we can, we can, you know, basically we're in control of our attitude and what we do. Right. And so it goes back to what that moment in that meeting right there was something that kind of probably took you, uh, you know, kind of shocked you a little bit, right. It was something you were not expecting. And all of a sudden now you have a decision to make in the midst of that, that meeting, and you decided to stay with the team. But I imagine too, like the feeling that you had of just kind of having to lose your ego a little bit, because no matter what, like it's a part of your identity as an athlete, you're spending all your time working to, uh, you know, be on the team to have playing time. And all of a sudden now that's basically stripped from you. And now you're you're in practice and they say, Hey, throw the flag down, throw the flag down, do these little things. But you did that with, I'm sure I wasn't there, but obviously the coaches liked you, you know, the players around you respected you because you were there, you committed to your teammates, uh, but they saw that you did it well, with excellence or you did it well, right? You didn't sit there and say, poor me, I'm just going to do this to get through it. Um, and that showed, and then obviously you had an opportunity to, to be back on the team your senior year and it was a great experience, but how do you not handle the situation like that? How do you not chosen to, to take um, the direction that you took and the mindset that you took? you wouldn't have had that experience. You could have quit and then who knows what, what you'd be doing, right? Yeah, and thanks for saying that. And I, that's an encouragement for me to hear you say it like that. But I mean, definitely, I'm sure there's, I'm sure I didn't do, do it perfectly, right? I'm sure there's ways I could have even done it better, but sure. But yeah, but you're right. It's like, I think, especially now today with social media and, and whether it's an athlete or whoever, it's like, there's so many opportunities to be like, hey, the grass is greener over there. You know, like I could have so easily been like, well, 
all right, fine. Then I'm going to pick up my stuff and go over here. But I was like, I just felt called to stay there. And I think, again, there's nothing in my mind wrong with transferring, nothing wrong with leaving if that's the right fit for certain athletes or individuals. But I do think we've kind of lost the art of, in our society, sticking with it, doing things with excellence, even if they're the boring, ordinary, mundane things, um, being able to have the mindset of delayed gratification, you know, me in that moment, knowing that, Hey, this is not what I want right now, but you know, I'm going to see it through and understanding that sometimes it's the things that are like the hardest and the most gut-wrenching things, embarrassing, humiliating things that we stick with that are like, man, I'm so glad I saw that through because you're right. Um, again, I didn't do it perfectly, but there was definitely guys on the team that maybe I wasn't even that close with before, but that would say little things during practice. Like, Hey man, like what, this is so cool. Like I would have transferred, like, thanks for sticking with it. And man, like, and I, I think people, even if they didn't say anything, they just, they saw it. They saw that I went from yeah. being in Jersey and pads to now, like, I'm just here. And now I have to make the quarterback who took my spot. I have to make him look good in practice. And that's my job now. And so mm. that's, that's, that's humbling. Um, but I think you also learn a lot about other people and yourself in those scenarios. Yeah. You definitely have to have a servant mentality as you go into that. So I love that. We'll talk a little bit about after you got out of college and playing, you got into the mortgage industry. Is that correct? And how did that come about? Yeah. So I don't even think how it came about. It was just a great company, uh, Veterans United Home Loans. They are in Columbia, Missouri, where I live. And they're kind of, a, they started as a startup, two brothers, two visionary brothers started it. And now there's thousands of employees. And, and so, yeah, awesome company. And I did that for about five years. And um, what's cool is while I started doing that, I started doing speaking engagements and things on the side. And so for about four and a half, almost five years, I did my day job and I tried to do it with excellence. But then I also had this side hustle that I was passionate about that I slowly started investing in and pursuing. And so like I would work at a cubicle at my desk at work and then I would, you know, fly on a Wednesday night or whatever to Idaho and go speak the next day at this company or sports team and then fly back and go back to the cubicle. And so <laughs> it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of funny and like uh, kind of living two lives a little bit, but the company was super gracious to allow me to do it. But um, yeah, I think that's my message for people who are just like, man, I know I have something that I want to do. It's like, sometimes it can be a right away thing where you can just jump out and do it. But for me, you know, and I think for some, for a lot of people, it could be the wise thing to do is it was like a four and a half year um, launching pad, right? It wasn't just like I was, you know, jumping out into to nowhere. Like I said earlier, I have a wife and now a daughter and we have a mortgage and things like that. And so yeah. from all the world's standards, it was like, man, this maybe isn't the best time to like quit your mortgage job, you know, where it's booming right now. Maybe this isn't the best time. And, but man, I, I kind of just felt called to do that and felt called to do that work. One thing that I would uh, just to share around this time is I, um, before I ever made this jump, I actually asked 12 people in my life. So uh, full-time speakers, um, people in the mortgage industry, friends, family, people that I knew that knew me that mm -hmm. would speak honestly to me. And I, I said, hey, look, I'm here right now doing what I'm doing. It's a great job. But where I want to go is I want to be a full-time author and speaker and be able to kind of do my own thing. And, yeah. and here are my numbers. Here's where I feel like I need to do this many speaking engagements to make it work. And 12 out of 12 people, my wife included, a bunch of other people included in my life said, they essentially said the same thing. They were like, it's a no brainer and you need to go for it. You need to not look back because if you don't, if you, if you do, if you don't pursue this right now, you're always going to wonder like what it, like what could have my life been like, or what could have I been pursuing if I would have just clung on to this security blanket? 
And that's what I was doing. And again, great company, awesome mission, awesome values. But at the end of the day, I felt called to do the work I'm doing now. And so it was, it was last September. Um, I was going at a very fast pace in life and doing a lot of things, too many things. Mm-hmm. And I would start to wake up in the morning and I would get this racing heartbeat. And it was kind of like these heart palpitations. I've never had anything like that before as an athlete. And I just wake up and all of a sudden my heart's racing. And so I tell, tell my wife and um, we go to the doctor, I get an EKG and they said, everything looks fine, normal. They said, but what are you, what are you doing like for your job? And I named off like all the things I was trying to do, you know, seven things or whatever. And they're like, well, that's a little outrageous. They're like, that's your problem. You know, you're trying to do seven things well when you need to do like two things well, be a good dad, be a good husband and do good at your job. Mm. And so they actually referred me to a Christian counselor. I'd never been to a counselor before, but it was awesome. Uh, he, He just shared with me things that I'd never really thought about before about my own performance in life. And so he pretty much said, you either need to scale back or all of this is going to scale you back. And it mm. was. And yeah. so I, I, yeah, so that was in September. And a few months later in December um, of 2021, right before Christmas, I, I walked out of my corporate job for the last time and, and have never looked back and still have a ton of relationships with the company. But man, like, oh, I guess to close the loop on that story, once I did kind of tone down, the heart palpitation stuff has gone away. Um, and I haven't dealt with that since not saying that I won't in the future, maybe I would. Um, but I think it was speaking to the pace at which I was running in life. It was uncontrollable. Like I was mm-hmm. sending off emails at 1230 at night. Like I was never off. Like I, I would never allow myself rest. And, and so now where I'm at now is, um, you know, I, I'm full-time author and speaker. And then I co-founded a company a year and a half ago called writemybooks.com where we help people write and publish their book. And so I'm at a much healthier pace now. I still have to remind myself it can even be harder when you're self-employed because it's like, well, if I'm not the one cranking out the business, then who is, right? So um, there's definitely that component, but I I am hopeful that I'm in a lot better rhythms now um, doing this, but it's just really cool to see, man, when you do pursue whatever it is and you go all in on something, you're like, you know what, this is what I'm gonna commit to. It's just cool to see the opportunities that, that come about. Yeah, no, that's there's a lot in that story, and I'm and I'm I'm surprised that the doctor didn't say, "Wow, you're just excited to to wake up for the day," you know. So, but yeah, uh, exactly. what I will, I love about your story too, you talked about you started, you knew you wanted to kind of speak and write, and so you just started doing it on the side. It was a little side probe, you started doing it, and you did it every, you know, you did it when you could, but you also had your full time job, and you're also you know a husband and a father at the same time too. But I think that's that's really important to know is that sometimes we can look at people's story, and you talked about the unseen hours. We can look at people's story and we're like, oh man, Alex just quit everything. Now he's just going all in. I just need to do that. But there's a lot of work that you put in before that no one saw um, that if they just looked at what you're doing now, they're like, man, how do you do that? Well, you put in a lot of work beforehand. And another point that I think was fantastic that you talked about is taking 12 people that really knew you and and had them come around you and just kind of speak a little bit of truth and, and kind of encourage you to, to go after what you wanted instead of asking the question, what if down the road, you just go do it, you know, and obviously you've had great success and talk a little bit about just kind of how you started your first book, you know, thrive you what that was and then how it's kind of evolved. You just had a, a book come out with John Gordon called the Cell, which is a, is a fantastic book it was a bestseller. Just talk a little bit about how all this kind of transpired and then into what you're doing now with, with what you're talking about just a little bit ago. Yeah, that's great. And on the unseen hours thing, I mean, I get asked all the time, like, hey, how can I become like a full time speaker? How have you done it? And what I have started telling people recently uh, in the last week or two is, well, what you need to do is go to the airport 
and um, lay down and sleep there overnight. (laughs) That's what I did a few weeks ago. Uh, After a speaking engagement, I was going from one gig to another one and there was a delay. And so I literally had to sleep in the Charlotte airport. And it's like, when you said unseen hours, like that's what went to my head because it's like, (laughs) and people don't see that on social media. You know, they don't, Mm. um, I did share like a story about it or whatever, but I mean, that is the grind where it's like, I'm away from my family, sleeping on practically the floor in the airport. Mm-hmm. to be able to pursue what I'm pursuing. And it's not always like that, but there's definitely those things where you're just like, man, like you don't see that side of it. And so my first book, Thrive You, I wrote actually right when I graduated at Mizzou and what it is, it's a hundred different athletes, um, professional college athletes who tell their story, their faith journey. So one of your, your past guests, Connor Baxter, he was a wrestler. He was actually in there and a, a bunch of other really successful athletes. And so it's all about, you know, what have they done to not only um, just survive, but thrive. And Mm -hmm. then when I was at Mizzou, John Gordon, who's, you know, best-selling author, the top five keynote speaker in America, he came and spoke at Mizzou. And so we connected and I pretty much told him, I said, look, like I want to do what you're doing and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And so uh, about five years ago, I started helping do outbound sales for him on top of my day job. And I started helping with his LinkedIn account, just trying to add value any way I could. And I didn't ask for anything. I just hmm. worked for him remotely. And that turned into him then floating me speaking engagements, saying, hey, go speak at this and kind of mentoring me. And um, and then, you know, in the last year and a half, we started working on the sale. And we just, uh, in the last few months, came out with that. And it's been so fun. The the book, The Sale, um, it's, a, it's a fable that we created about excellence and integrity. And so, you know, the main character in the story, his name's Matt, and he's in sales, and he's running at a pace in life that's unsustainable, similar to me. You've heard that story <laughs> before on this on this podcast, and he's running at this crazy pace in life, and his wife, Kendra, essentially says, look, I didn't sign up for this. Like, if this doesn't change what the way you're living, I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here. We're getting divorced, and so he has all this pressure going on at home, and at work, he's doing really good. I mean, he's pushing people to the side. He's kind of a a, a bull in the china shop, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has, a, long story short, he has the chance to make the sale of a lifetime. And he's in a very lucrative industry. This sale would bring him $7 million, right? And so for where I come from, that's a lot of money. And yeah. he has the chance to make this huge, huge sale. And the only problem is to, to move forward with the sale, his team would have to essentially lack integrity in a very big way, falsify reports, turn a blind eye, and so the, the a big part of the story is, does Matt move forward and make this decision? Does he do the right thing or does he try to make the quick money and move on? And so he meets this mentor named Randy who teaches him these, these laws and principles about integrity that really transform the main character. I'm not going to tell your listeners what yeah. he ends up doing. They can get yeah. the book. They can get the book. <laughs> they, they can get the book. Um, but it's just really cool to see the transformation, you know, in the main character. And hopefully you were able to read that in the story mm-hmm. of just hopefully everyone can relate in some ways to that main character, Matt, and say, man, how am I doing in these areas? And and so that's kind of the book, man. And we just really hope, just like how you read it, I hope you enjoyed it and would love to hear Absolutely. it. And we just hope people can be introspective when they read it and really analyze, like, man, am I having all this success, but then forgetting about some of these more important things in life? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great book and it really gets you thinking because I think uh, what you talked about, it does relate to everybody in some capacity, right? Um, yeah. You can have an opportunity in front of you and you might compromise your integrity, but is it worth it? And and typically yeah. it's not. You know, I'm going to answer that. It's not worth it. <laughs> but it's a great it's a great book even to talk about burnout because he was on the edge of burnout at the start, right? So that's another aspect of, of life that we all struggle with is, is kind of pushing ourselves. 
Um, you know, we can talk about integrity and trust here in a second too, but going into the burnout a little bit, you know, why do people tend to get in a position of, of burnout or they just, they feel stressed, they have anxiety, there's all these pressures that come upon them and it, it seems to really impact not just their work, but also their life outside the, outside the work at home too. That's a great question. I think so many people deal with it. And even the last few years that everyone's dealt with working remotely, all these changes, it's like some people were getting more, I guess, burnt out at home because they were just, now they could work as many hours they wanted to make more money, all these things. And so something that I love to say that I, I believe is true is people don't get burnt out because of what they're doing. They get burnt out because they forget why they're doing it. And so when I think about a school teacher who grades papers, you know, late at night, does that school teacher literally have, you know, effects of actual burnout from grading papers? That's doubtful. You know, maybe if they, <laughs> maybe they have carpal tunnel from doing too much writing. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could really stress that one. But most times they're probably sitting there in front of their TV going, or uh, sorry, I didn't mean to speak for teachers. I don't know where they edit from, but sure. let's say they were, you know, I, I would think it's because they forget, man, why, why am I doing this? Like why? There's so many other easier jobs I could take, or mm. they, they kind of take their their focus off of what matters. And I think about when I graduated Mizzou, I walked the stage right behind me was Marcus Golden, who's now playing for, uh, for the Cardinals and made millions of dollars in the NFL. But it was so cool to see his family there because he was like one of the first kids in his family to ever graduate. And it's like, I feel like if a t that teacher remembers that, that, like that's the why of like, man, I'm helping someone do that. It just helps you get through those tough times because you're just reminded of the why behind what you're doing. So when you have that North Star, when you have that focus, it without the vision, um, it's very easy to quit. You know, uh, Solomon, who had billions of dollars in net worth, he was a historical biblical figure. He said, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I just think that's so true. It's like, what kind of vision do I have for my life, for my family, for where I'm headed? And I think if, I, if I'm not clear on that, and if I don't keep that um, in focus, then man, it's super easy to get distracted and start getting burned out because you're like, man, why, why am I doing this? Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And that was the verse that came to my mind too, as you're talking about that a little bit too, because, you know, throughout your story, it's not like just things just, just happen. You, you had to put the work in and, and you're very driven and, and, and focused and ambitious. How do you balance that, that ambition, that drive, that focus uh, to not kind of go over the top too much in, in that area of your life, whether it's work, but, but to stay content and to stay balanced with, with where you're at, or, you know, balance may not be the right word, but at least to, to stay content within where, where you are. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think a quote that I always catch myself saying is, and we, you've, we've all probably heard it before, but it's comparison is the thief of joy. And, and so for me, I've had to kind of tone down social media. You know, I just, it's something that I can't, you know, I just can't have it around. And so on my phone, I don't even have the apps. I do it only on my desktop. And for me, it's just a distraction. There's so many, you know, things that for me, it's like, man, it's so easy for me to look at now that I'm a full-time speaker, I can look at this other speaker who's doing, making this much money doing it. It's like, why can't, I, why can't I be on those big stages or whatever? And as a football player, I used to think, oh man, if I could only be the starting quarterback, right? But in all these scenarios, and we could all probably point out areas of our lives of how we compare, it's like every moment we're comparing, we are taking away from opportunities to make an impact on other people and in their lives and in those situations. And so, man, I just think about what would it look like for myself and as I encourage others to like kind of tone down 
these outside things, whether it's social media, whether it's Netflix binging, whether it's um, whatever it is, you know, yeah. uh, uh, my, my friend, Will, he just recommended a book called the tech wise family. And it's been a really good book so far. And just talks about, man, what are you doing to foster an awesome uh, family culture? And part of that is turning everything down, like literally just like, um, eliminating some of these distractions and, and things, because we've kind of, we're kind of losing the art of like sitting down at the table and having a good conversation, um, with our families. And it's like, how do we reclaim that in practical ways? And I think it starts with, with all of us as leaders, it starts with us. Like I can't go to a high school and tell the kids, Hey, you need to, um, stay focused and, 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 and have your social media in control if I don't, if I don't. And so that's a convicting thing to think about. And I think that's, what's cool about speaking and having these opportunities to work with teams and people is, you know, um, and especially writing a book about integrity, <laughs> then you then then you really put a big target on your chest, you know. Because <laughs> um, my wife's like, "Did you get the dishes done?" You know, whatever. Yeah. And um, but I just think it, what's cool is when you're when you're getting the chance to do this work, um, it keeps you sharp because you're like, "Man, I can't go to this school." And none of us are perfect, right? But I can't mm-hmm. go here and, and kind of uh, be hypocritical, right? I want to yeah. I want to try to live what I'm talking about and um, be genuine and be authentic. And I think that's the whole message of the book too, is that no one's perfect. We don't have all the right answers, but man, when you're, when you're around someone who is authentic, they live with integrity. They're someone who you can count on the trust that is built there is just, just awesome. And it's, and it's tough to beat. It's like, it, what I tell people is that integrity is an, a competitive advantage. Hmm. And it really is. I really believe yeah. it's a competitive advantage, whether we're talking sports, whether we're talking real estate, I don't care what it is when people know they trust you. Um, you're the person that they call. You're the person they go to for advice, man. You're going to do more business with that person. You're going to build more trust relationships, all the different aspects and areas of life. So again, we're not perfect, but I think we can try to say, okay, if I'm being truthfully honest and introspective, what are some maybe blind spots in my leadership? What are some areas that if I had to ask, maybe it's those 12 people, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a friend. Hey, what are some areas? If I was, if I were to improve, what would you say? How could I improve? Like that, that's a hard question to ask because you are putting yourself out there mm-hmm. and then you just, then you just listen and say, how can I um, get better in some of these ways? Yeah. And being willing to take the feedback, right? That's the key as well and apply yeah. it. And so one of the things you talk about comparison and just understanding to run your own race, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done. I'm saying it. I need to remember that myself. So no, that, that's a great line, man. But yeah, I love- there, there was that, there was that picture on social media a few years back that was like, a swimmer. A swim, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the swimmer was like swimming. He's like looking to the and yeah. Win, that's so yeah, win, winners focus on winning. Losers focus on the winners, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love that too. Well, you talked a little bit about integrity because that's kind of the key component of the book and building trust because that's one of the things that he had to do um, in the book. How important is it and why is it important to build trust and how do you do that effectively within your work and then also in the home too? Yeah, it's a great question. And so Warren Buffett, his net worth is around $111 billion. Mm-hmm. And what he says about trust, he said, trust is like the air we breathe. When it's present, you don't even notice it. But when it's absent, you can't help but take note. And I think that's so true in our teams, the people we work with, the people we work for, the people that work for us. Like when you are on a team, I think back to my football days, when you when you fully can be bought in, um, to the people that you're surrounded by, you can count on them to do their job. Everyone's taking ownership for their little part of the organization, their part of the the team. Man, that's where there's just so much greatness that happens because you're like, wow, like 
there is so much trust here. But when the opposite is true, you don't like going to work. You don't like being with the people that you can't trust. Like it, it's just a terrible environment. There's gossip. There's, there's, there's so many things. And so, uh, man, when we talk about, um, you know, the great resignation, right? The great, um, what's happened the last few years or the great reconsideration. It's like millions of people, myself included, I'm a millennial who quit my job during the last two years. And it's like, you know, I saw a stat that said 59% of people who quit their job in 2021 quit because they did not trust their boss and didn't like their boss. And to me, that's crazy. It's we're doing all these different things as a company, we're doing all these initiatives, but man, the manager doesn't have the foresight and the insight to know, man, like this person isn't even bought into what we're doing, doesn't even trust me. And I think, you know, as leaders, we have to really examine ourselves and say, you know what, don't be surprised when that top performer on your team decides to bail and go somewhere else if you're not leading uh, with integrity. And I think to and the second part of your question is how do we do that? Well, first it starts with us. It starts with the introspection to say, you know, how can I get better? Like, here's a great example. Um, there's a university that just named a new president and uh, I won't say the school, but it was, you know, just relevant on my mind. And the new president um, went to essentially all parts of the university. I'm talking the cooks, I'm talking just different jobs. And he would go up to them and just say, hey, how has your experience the last year or so here been? Um, what what do you see in, in maybe your job title? What do you see as being something that's a good fit? Or um, what do you think could be changed, right? Mm-hmm. And so right off the bat, this president now at this awesome university um, is just has gained so much respect and built so much trust in like a week and a half of being there because he's simply asking questions. And, and the key is he's listening. And he's listening and saying, hey, how can I be a good steward of, of this new role that I'm in. And so I think, man, that's how it has to start. The best leaders that you and I know, they lead from the inside out, not the other way around. And I think that's so important to understand, know what you stand for, what are the convictions, what are the things that you lead by, but then also lead yourself first so that you can then lead others. Because I think the best leaders, they lead from the inside out, but they also lead themselves first. And and I'm preaching to myself when I say that, you know, it's like, um, it's just so true, man. And so the more we can say, how can I work to better myself to then allow myself to be introspective and then pour out to others. I can't pour out to other people if, man, I'm an empty cup. You know, I need to be filled mm-hmm. up. I need to be filled up in every area of my life so that I can then adequately pour out to others. Yeah, you know, you couldn't have said that any better. And, you know, we talked about that leader of the university. One of the things he's doing, he's he's obviously has the self-awareness to go out and, and find out what the people in the organization think. And that's giving them a sense of ownership, but he's also listening. And that's really key too. So I love that, you know, kind of as we wind down, I love what you just said about the book. We'll have to, you know, uh, let, let in the links to let everyone know where to get it. But one of the things that I think is always really important is you, you talked about your parents, you talked about you now being a dad. What do you think it means to be a good husband and father? And what have you learned so far? Man, uh, great question. I think as a Christian, you know, my faith died a little bit too. And so, um, you know, first, my relationship with God before anything else. And, and that kind of trickles down to my relationship with my wife and, and my daughter. But man, I would just say, um, you know, she, uh, Kennedy was a COVID baby, you know, was born uh, during 2020. And so um, just going through all of that and, and now she's a two-year-old and running around and crazy. I just, I've had to learn to just be present and know that like my first role, my first responsibility is, is at home. And and then after that, I can focus on my other stuff and not to get that out of order, because I think when that is out of order and I'm, 
I'm answering a text at the dinner table or doing all these things. It's like, man, that it, it goes by so quick. I've just already seen it. And all everyone, everyone tells me and everyone tells them, you know, that's how it goes. And so just trying to be present, man, slow down. Um, and just, gosh, I don't have to run at the pace that I was running. I can say, you know what? I trust that, um, opportunities will present themselves that I, I can make an impact at those times, but also I have a huge opportunity to make an impact at home first. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great advice. And, and it's so important just to be present, right? So challenging to do yeah. sometimes, but slowing down being present and knowing what the priorities are in your life is really key and always constantly realigning yourself to that. So that's important. Yeah. Well, as we kind of wind down, I've got a little fire round for you. So I'll say a little sentence and you can finish with a word or sentence, wherever you feel led to. So you can do anything if. You have the right perspective. Discipline means. I'll steal this from Jocko, but freedom. Favorite vacation spot. Naples, Florida. Okay. I was just down there. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Integrity is. Everything. Uh, Favorite book besides the two that are behind you. (laughs) I was gonna say I can't promote myself, my own book. That would be a lack of integrity. <laughs> okay. I read a book called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. I read that when I was in college, and it's all about we meet so many people in life, but are we being intentional to actually follow up? And so it's kind of like a it could be taken the wrong way, like as a salesy book, but it's really just intentionality uh, behind the people you meet. How are you serving them? Mm-hmm. It all comes down to. As a Christian, your relationship, I believe, is your relationship with God first um, and, and giving him glory. Yeah, great. We're done with the fire round. The final two questions I have for you. Is there a certain piece of best advice you've ever received and what would that be? Man, um, I think the advice, just because it's relevant on my mind when I was quitting the nine to five, going all in, it, it was just the whole don't look back, you know, and, and actually this is a, a really good piece of advice to go along with that. Cause maybe someone's listening right now and they're like, Oh, I'd love to make some kind of jump. So I hope this can encourage you. One of those 12 people that encouraged me, what she said was, she said, Alex, don't view this as you're jumping out into nowhere. View this as a one-year test. So she's like, you're quitting right now. View this as a one-year test. She's like a year from now, if you're not able to generate revenue or you can't provide for your family, guess what? you can go back to a job. It's always, there's always going to be a job there. And and that right there pushed me over the edge to be like, you know what? She's right. Like if it's not like I jump on and all of a sudden I'm, I'm homeless on the streets, right? It's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a test. And so I'm still in that test. Um, and my hope is I'll never go back to corporate America. Um, we'll see, but um, um, that's, that's obviously the goal and, and hope to just never look back in that way. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, the final question I have for you is this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? Man, building excellence has to start. I'm going to bring it back to our topic of today. It has to start with integrity and doing the small things, the the mundane, the small tasks that are overlooked. It has to start with doing those things well, because when we can be entrusted with the small things, um, we're then given even bigger opportunities. And, and just like Dave Ramsey talks about, when you pay off debt, it's a snowball. You start with the smallest debt first and then soon enough, you're debt free in the same way. It's like, if you just make small mm. actions over time, over time, over time, the results from that are just so cool to see. And um, I think we all know that, but it's at times it's hard to live that. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And that's, that's such a great thought. And it's a good visual to understand how to do that as well. So Alex, thanks so much for coming on the show. 
Thanks for kind of sharing your story, some of the lessons you've learned. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your books. If someone wanted to, to find more about your books, Thrive You, The Sale, which is right here if you're, if you're watching, um, what are the best ways to do that? And if someone wanted to share their story through a book, you're also doing stuff like that as well. So talk, talk a little bit about yeah. all those things as we wind yeah. down. Yeah, thanks. So my personal website is alexspeaking.com. You know, if someone wants me to come in and speak, but yeah, um, I co-founded a company a year and a half ago called writemybooks.com. So if you want to, if, if anyone's listening, they're like, you know what, I have a book. I want to, I want to share my story. I want to write a content piece, whatever. If you want to write a book and share it with the world, uh, we we're helping authors do that in a 16 week process. And so I, you know, I'll give a discount. We'll give a discount for anyone that's on Bailey's podcast and uh, or for anyone that's listening in. We'd, we'd love to connect with you, set up a Zoom call and just hear about what, what you want to do. And uh, we'd love to help you make that happen. So again, that's at writemybooks.com. Awesome. Alex, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. Now, if you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Uh, once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.